It's Wednesday, December 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Parker. How you doing? I'm well. We're getting down to the end of the year. I don't know if you noticed. I've heard rumors. And I believe the last time you were in the studio, the prospect of Dow 20,000 was out there. And here we are, days later, still out there. Still out there. Dow 20,000 still hasn't happened yet. Going to happen one of these days. Or you not. Think... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it if doesn't have to. If the time frame is one of these days, I'm confident. I'll make that call. Yeah. I'll make that bold prediction. Sure, it's hitting 20,000 at some point. In the meantime, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Uh, let's start, though, with what happened yesterday with Fitbit. Shares up 8% on the news that the Fitbit app shot to number one in the iTunes store as the most downloaded free app. The Amazon Echo app was number four, this having a bigger effect on Fitbit stock than Amazon's. But this, we were talking a little bit about this earlier today because some people are out there saying, well, this doesn't really mean all that much because if you're going to compare something like Fitbit, the device, to the Apple Watch, well, there's no point of comparison with the Apple Watch because you don't have to go to the iTunes store and download a separate app. It's, it's all set and ready to go. But I mean, it means something. It has to mean something. Well, it uh, let's categorize it as a dead cat bounce for the moment. <laughs> and I mean, Fitbit is trading at an all-time low. It was trading literally at the all-time low uh, before this piece of data. Uh, to whatever degree it's worth anything, it's up eight percent on that after being down seventy, eighty percent for the year. Back down three percent today. So people are uh, taking a. Another look at it and saying, "Yeah, you know, what what do we really know about the long term viability of this thing?" Yes, is it a Christmas present? Sure. Are people going to use it? They download this beginning of the year, probably some New Year's resolutions, and come February, March, we'll see whether anybody's actually bothering to really use it or continuing to buy them. Fitbit, the company, really does seem like. I don't want to say everything is riding on their next quarterly report, but I think a whole hell of a lot is riding on it. Because if they don't come out in early 2017 with just a blowout quarter, then I think the drumbeat begins for, all right, where the larger institutional investors go to Fitbit management and say, okay, let's, let's talk about how you're going to write this ship. And one of the most immediate ways you can right this ship is by putting yourself up for sale. Yeah, and I think that what we're seeing here is a fairly common pattern among new technologies where they may have some applicability, maybe even widespread, but ultimately it's why this company, uh, whether it's GoPro making a camera that has a little bit different functionality from the cameras before it, but everybody can copy that because there's really nothing proprietary about it. Same thing with Fitbit. Uh, same thing with uh, so many things, including most cell phones uh, other than the iPhone to date. Uh, but it seems like, oh, this is a thing that's going to change everybody's life. And even if it does, is this the company that gets to take uh, the lion's share of, of the market? Ultimately, and the answer right now appears to be no. anybody anybody can make one of these things. I think when you look at the Amazon Echo app, getting up to I think number four 
in terms of the most downloaded free apps on iTunes. It's still in the top 10. When you combine that data point with the data point from, it may have even been a full week before Christmas when the company announced that they had sold out of Echoes. That that seems to bode well for Amazon because, for as big a success as Amazon Web Services has been, and as important as that is to the company's financial well-being, it really does seem like so much of what the company is trying to do, from a consumer-facing standpoint, is really driving through the Echo. Well. I don't know if Echo were some huge flop like the uh, Amazon phone, uh, would that be a that big a problem to the company? I mean, this may be one more thing that they become successful at, um, but even if not, this is not like Fitbit, right? I mean, they've just got the one shot at at having a, a company. Amazon has so many different things they're doing. Maybe this is going to be. Uh, the great inroads to, to AI that uh, Amazon wants it to be, and it looks like it's off to a promising start. Um, again, you don't have one, do you? I don't have one, but it, I mean, you compared it to the Amazon phone. That's a good reminder that yeah, Amazon has had, had plenty of failures in its history, but from everything I've read, they are putting a lot more behind the Echo than they ever put behind the phone. In terms of human resources, you know, Jeff Bezos earlier this year at the Recode conference saying we've got a thousand people working on the Echo. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, a, that's I mean, a small fraction of their employee base. That's still a big number. That's they, a, that's a lot of people to work on one initiative. They certainly have a lot of ads for the Echo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that was successful in driving Christmas sales. And I think that uh, running out of them. Uh, I don't know which way that cuts, right? I mean, you get some traction, some stories for that about how popular it is, apparently. Uh, but you also uh, might question whether they played their cards perfectly. You know, if there were a lot more potential sales out there, then they just didn't have the product. It's possible. I mean, I uh, I was channel flipping over the weekend and came across. The Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender that that was out last year, and I I watched about twenty minutes of it or something like that. And one of the things that came up in in the movie was the the unveiling of the iMac and how it became the best selling computer in America. And I was reminded that right because it was compared against individual computers. So Apple didn't sell more computers or di- didn't sell more iMacs. Than Compaq was selling of of their total computer base. It was just this model, and it's a great story to be able to tell people. So you're right. Amazon got a great headline out of this. They've this device is so popular they've sold out of it. Maybe they maybe they designed it that way because scarcity can be a pretty powerful agent when you're trying to tell a story. Apple did that for years. They were they were great about that. But to your point, that does cut both ways. At some point, you don't want the story to be, "Wow, we've sold out of this device." You want it to be, you know, "Where demand is high, and we're doing everything we can to meet demand." Well, and I think it, it's very different from your typical Christmas present or Fitbit 
type of thing where you just don't know what to get somebody. So I don't know, Fitbit seems trendy and uh, useful and healthy and, and things like that. So why not get somebody a Fitbit? Maybe they use it, maybe they don't. I was right? going to say, that, that can also cut both ways. Because if you're on the receiving end of a Fitbit, it's like, what? You're saying I'm out of shape? I'm not saying you're out of shape. <laughs> when I buy you a Fitbit, that's what I'll be saying to you. Fair point. <laughs> don't hold your breath, I guess. But when I buy you an Echo, what am I saying to you? I don't know. What do we, I, don't, I don't know. And maybe it's um, maybe it's I'm out of ideas. I don't. I don't want to talk to you. Talk to this thing. <laughs> talk to this if thing. you've got questions, ask this thing. That's what I've heard from people who uh, who have an Echo and use it. Is that one of the ways that they use it is for streaming music? One of the ways they use it is for news. But another way is, I guess you can use it uh, to uh, occupy your children because your children can ask. Alexa to tell them a joke. So that's, you know, for kids, that's probably a hell of a lot more entertaining than Alexa, play market foolery. Really? Yeah. We're not doing our job then, right? Is that our demo? Are we going after the five to 10 year old? (laughs) Play the best jokes for market foolery this week. Yeah, I don't think it slices that way. Could you tag things? That way? That sounds like so much more work than we actually put into these podcasts. There aren't that many good jokes. It wouldn't take long. Yeah, that's true. That's true. By the way, we, I, I did get that question from a few people um, on Twitter and through email, uh, p- listeners who got Amazon Echoes for Christmas, and they were asking, how do I get your podcast? And, and that is literally all you do. You just, you know, Alexa, play and insert the name of the podcast, and it'll play. But we also have a skill, a stock skill at The Motley Fool, where you can build a portfolio, you can add or uh, remove stocks to that portfolio, you can get a stock quote. Um, and if you go to fool.com slash Alexa, all the details are there. Oh, my God. Was that product placement right there? Uh, well, for a free skill? Yeah, I yeah. suppose it was. <laughs> In the same way that this is like a free podcast? Alexa, yeah. can you play like the podcast without Barker? Yeah. I mean, that's that's most popular request on Alexa every week. I'm not saying most popular, the, but for it's... The, for the Motley Fool skill. It's cr- it's cracking the top <laughs> could, you, could you have somebody real on podcast? Play yeah, that. Exactly. I uh, don't want to hear about Hermie the Elf or Rudolph. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that longtime listeners who are familiar with all the various personalities at the Motley Fool... Longtime listeners aren't listening anymore to uh, this one. <laughs> it's, it's only the new people. I was going to say, the longtime listeners have, have made up their mind about you <laughs> and said, oh, and I'm sure, you know, there are a few out there that are like, oh, Barker's on? That's great. I'm listening. And there are others like, oh, God, I skip. Go, uh, let's see, what's playing on Industry Focus today? I'll listen to that. <laughs> Um, back to the the Fitbit and and Amazon Echo apps and sort of the cause and effect. Another thing we talked about was just sort of the 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 cause and effect of um, the, you know the 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 sad stories we saw this week with uh, the the untimely deaths of George Michael and Carrie Fisher and how not a particularly new phenomenon, but but um, that then the ripple effect of that. Is that their works of art that they have produced suddenly become very popular? If you go on iTunes right now, two of the top ten best-selling albums are George Michael albums. If you click over to Amazon, three of the top ten best-selling books right now are written by Carrie Fisher, which Carrie Fisher, and uh, you saw her one-woman show. Yes, I mean, Carrie Fisher, rightly so, known known to the world as Princess Leia. 
But my gosh, if you if you just take a couple of minutes and read about her life and what she produced, a phenomenal writer, an incredibly humorous woman, um, and uh, known in Hollywood as a pretty great script doctor. Yeah. Just uncredited, she would she would get called in to work on scripts and to make them funnier or make them better. Uh, but you, her one woman, her one woman show was Wishful Drinking. Wishful Drinking. I saw it here in D.C. and uh, it, it toured uh, elsewhere. Uh, and HBO made a uh, special uh, out of it, which is very good. I think at capturing the live show, the sort of energy of it, and it doesn't fully get it because she interacted with the audience in a uh, a very good way. She was able to. You know, pick people out of the audience and, and bring them into the show, make them uh, say a thing or two and, and play off of what they said and, and do it spontaneously. And, and uh, I mean, she, I'm sure, had some go-to things like any improv, but, uh, but she was very good at it. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's captured a little bit in it, but not the same way as the, the live energy of, of being there. So if you've got HBO, uh, it's on there, HBO Go or whatever form uh, HBO you take in and wishful drinking goes into a lot of uh, uh, all of her life and and parts of Star Wars and uh, you know there's gentle mocking of her own performance in in Star Wars and and you see things uh, and she raises things that you hadn't really thought of sort of uh, the way that she she's got a, a bit of a faux British accent that that comes and goes in the movie. In the movie, yeah. In the movie, at times she's got this little hint of a British, I guess some sort of a British accent, but not always. Yeah. So. Uh, I think her first book was Postcards from the Edge, which got made into a, a just a wonderfully uh, funny movie starring uh, Meryl Streep as the Carrie Fisher character and Shirley MacLaine as her mother. And it's just about her struggle in Hollywood and her struggle with addiction. And to the extent that that can be humorously portrayed on film, which is a very real struggle that people go through, but it's 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 wonderfully done. And that's that's just a great performances from both Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, there's a lot in Wishful Drinking about her uh, interaction with, with drugs and uh, depression and, and uh, her struggles, but done very humorously. and. Uh, um, you know, it, it, to tie this into business, of course, one of the big headlines in the, the business part of this is um, the way Cinnabon tripped up uh, trying to note her, her passing with uh, um, a tribute that didn't go over very well. Yes, because uh, lots of tributes on Twitter and Facebook and, and that sort of thing, and Cinnabon, which... Cinnabon is, makes a pretty addictive product, I have to say. I mean, anytime I'm in an airport, well before I get to the Cinnabon, you know, booth or you know whatever little storefront they have, you're you can, smelling it. You can smell that that amazing product they make. And I guess yesterday on Twitter, what did they t- they tweeted like uh, something like you know, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. You'll always have the best buns in the universe or in the galaxy. And it's like, um, that's, that's, no. Well, that's, and it, it, 
So it, it shows, I, I, she may have been, this might have been a reference in Wishful Drinking to the hairstyle in uh, the original Star Wars, which largely looks like Cinnabons yeah. in her hair. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if she was the one that made the reference, uh, but it's something they, Cinnabon, had referenced to uh, back on May 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yes. You know, also, um, my son's birthday. And he's really into Star Wars. And so that's good. It's easy that way for me to remember. I was going to say, as a parent, I know where you're going with this. It makes it really easy to remember my kid's birthday. So anyway, she uh, there's a picture. of There had been a picture tweeted out of uh, you know an outline of Princess Leia with a Cinnabon in it uh, at where her hair buns were. And, and it was meant to be humorous and tribute. But uh, I guess people took it as... They're trying to capitalize in some way, and and so it just uh, didn't work. Fortunately for Cinnabon and the people at Focus Brands, which is the parent company of Cinnabon, they're they're a private company. Mm -hmm. I feel like if uh, given that this is the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve is year in and year out the quietest on Wall Street, it's the lowest levels of trading, that sort of thing, I feel like... That's enough that if Focus Brands was a publicly traded company, their stock would have taken a small hit. Yeah, just, maybe. Just a small hit. Maybe. I don't think anybody's going to, you know, protest uh, Cinnabon over this. It's just, you know, you get your Twitter outrage and say, you know, we don't like this. Take it down. And people do. And then everybody apologizes. And, and then cut to on. a month later, you're in the airport and you smell that Cinnabon. And you're like, okay, I forgive you. Uh, yesterday on the show, uh, Abby Mallon and I were talking about Lululemon and uh, Lauren Potdevin, the CEO, talking about one of the big pushes for that company is really growing the men's segment. Uh, Julia Robinson from Cheyenne with uh, Wyoming um, putting out a message on Twitter responding to our episode yesterday saying, Lululemon needs to separate, uh, needs to separate brands from menswear like Kate Spade did with their men's line. Jack Spade. I was unaware that Kate Spade did that, but that's, I mean, I think she's onto something there. That's, I think if Lululemon is truly looking to grow, I, I think that's an idea that makes sense. Well, you, you might shop there. I've never set foot inside a Lululemon, but I mean, they're my, not producing clothes for you yet, are they? Right. Right. But at some point, if, if, it's got sort of an athletic thing going. Yeah, my nephew, right? my nephews are, are college age guys. I mean, they they like their stuff. Right. So uh, you you could you could find yourself in there. I, I think that there's a place for them. Uh, men's more sort of I guess uh, if if I'm trying to think more the metrosexual than the lumbersexual side of the the men's yeah no. you know line yeah they're my not guess. they're not going for comfort in the in the lumber sexual way right there the, the i'm not seeing a lot of flannel walking out the door at lululemon i guess is my point no but i think that there there is an audience that they can work with and uh would be well to do so you know under armor seemed like a very hardcore men's brand uh once upon a time and very sort of uh, football and and very Oriented toward men from from the outset, and uh, has still uh, got a lot of room to go to crack, uh, getting sales in the, their women's lines anywhere close to the men's lines. But uh, it's nice to have that kind of a market to 
to, to work on. And they're, they're getting better at it. And I don't know. I mean, my daughters and my wife wear Under Armour. Responding to uh, Julia's tweet about uh, Kate Spade separating their menswear line with Jack Spade, uh, a comment from uh, another listener, Adam Lubert in Florida. If Lululemon copied and named it Jack Lemon, then Chris Hill and Bill Barker would be all over it. Hashtag grumpy old men. Well played, sir. I, I feel like you know you're suffering by the association with me on this one. You know what? That's Are you considered grumpy? <laughs> Other Appar- times of the week, apparently, uh, apparently, no, no. <laughs> it's really <laughs> according it's really, to Adam. It's not you know Chris Hill and all his guests. Yeah. It's just me. I, although maybe you know, in comparison to Abby Mallon yesterday, people were like, oh, you know, she was great. He sounds grumpy. First of all, we're not that old. <laughs> I, we're we're uh, we don't have a problem with the grumpy part, Adam. It's, no, it's, no, it's the age characterization. How dare you? How about grumpy middle-aged man. Yeah, there you go. That works. Uh, before we wrap up, yeah, we we need a little help from the listeners because you are headed on one hell of a trip. Normally, when you're playing court tennis tournaments, it's here in D.C. or it's up in uh, New York City or Philadelphia, Rhode Island, that sort of thing. You're headed where? I'm headed to Melbourne, Melbourne. Australia. Australia in a couple of weeks. You leave in two weeks, so you'll have time to hit the uh, Cinnabon in various airports. But uh, headed first to Auckland, yes, New Zealand. Stopping in Auckland for about forty-eight hours, and then Melbourne for the rest of the time. And I think that's where we need the help, right? Because you're going to be busy in Melbourne. That's where the tournament is. You've got friends you're going to be with. You've got plenty of stuff to do in Melbourne, but. Auckland, New Zealand. Really, any good ideas for Auckland or Melbourne. Uh, I'll have more time uh, in Melbourne to uh, take people up on great suggestions than I'll have in Auckland, but I'll be on my own right in Auckland for that time. And I, I mean, they're always the, whatever you open up TripAdvisor or what, 48 hours, and uh, I'm sure there's some piece in the New York Times, 48 hours in, in Auckland, what you can do. And a lot of what I'll be doing is getting over the jet lag. I was going to say, that's that's one more thing for listeners to take into consideration. It's it's not just Bill Barker's adventure in Auckland. It's jet lagged Bill Barker's yeah, adventure in Auckland. So it's like twenty four hours, twenty hours, I guess total, uh, to get to Auckland. Getting there at, at five thirty or six in the morning. I think I got to stay up, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, where is the good coffee? Where's the coffee? And then where is other coffee? Because it's going to be a lot of coffee over the course of that day. And then at some point, where's the alcohol? Because then it's, uh, let's just cap the day with a nightcap and then, you know, Straight. a good night's sleep. Yeah. I, I can I can find that. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. It's not hard to find good alcohol, is it? I, it's never been hard for me, but... Uh, I mean, that is it probably that hard? Be like in the hotel because yeah, I don't want to fall asleep at some bar. Like, oh, I'm having my one or two drinks, and then you know, you don't know. Maybe one I, of our listeners is going to be like, struggle back to the hotel. Maybe one of our listeners will come up with like, no, 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 this is the bar you want to go to because they, they got some rooms in the back. You can just like, you, you out. just crash there. It's- for the jet lag people. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address. If you have any suggestions for Bill Barker's adventure, either in Auckland, New Zealand, or in Melbourne, Australia, we'll take any suggestions. What about you? Marketfoolery at fool.com. What about this trip to Ireland? Is that happening now? That's hopefully going to happen, but but, but that's that's still in negotiation on the home front. So we're, we're let's let's focus on let's focus on Auckland first. <laughs> 
let's focus on getting you. I mean, that won't happen to... until the summer if it happens. Summer of 2017 if it happens. But, uh, yeah, no, we got a long way to go. It's got to happen. Ireland. I'm working on it. Ireland. That's who should be uh, getting um, advertisement on this podcast. Right? I, the Tourism Board? Tourism of, Board of Ireland. Really? You could sell that like every day, couldn't you? I don't I don't know. We don't really, t- I don't think. <laughs> I, I just be- tourism boards. Just tourism boards? Maine, of course. I've argued for that. Yeah. Boston, you could do that. Ireland. Well, and New Zealand and Australia, apparently. Today, we'll, we'll, yes. We'll lump those in as well. <laughs> There's got to be like a visit New Zealand dot com that you can you know click around on. I'm, I'm sure there is. Uh, and should I be telling them to send you some you know advertisement? No, uh, just send us a box of stuff. Okay, I think that's the that's always the move. Yeah, just send us a box of stuff. Uh, MarketFoolerFool dot com. If you have any suggestions, or you can tweet at MarketFoolery. Uh, and while you're online, go to FoolFunds.com. Check out. What they got to offer there in terms of their articles, declarations, the free monthly newsletter, all of that from Bill Barker and his colleagues at FullFunds.com. Are you? Are we going to get you back on before you go, or may, well, definitely afterwards? We're going to need we're going to need some um, business perspective from down under, and obviously one or two places that you actually ended up getting good coffee in New Zealand. Yeah, well, I'm I'm here for I don't know it's two weeks till I leave. Oh, so you probably make the mistake of inviting me back before then. Well, it depends on what kind of comments we get after this episode. True. Thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.